You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. We talked about last week, and we're doing a, a series over the, pretty much the rest of this month, and I've titled it, The Generosity of Jesus. The Generosity of Jesus. And, and the main scripture that we're, we're kind of talking about is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, but the main focus right here, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that word cheerful means merry or hilarious or joyous, but the one that I love the most, the definition I love the most, is prompt to do anything. And I want to remind you that God does not make his people do something that he hasn't already done. And so when he is encouraging people to give, It's not because he's sitting on his throne with all the gold, which he has, and all the power, which he has, and he's saying, I need you to give me more. No, it's because God, in the the heart of God, he is a giver. And so he loves a cheerful giver because when he sees someone cheerfully giving, it reminds him of himself. And so we talked about last week that giving or generosity is found in the heart of God. It is not something that is birthed inside of humans. Giving is not something that that we just tend to do. We talked about how babies, they don't come out the womb giving. They don't come out the womb saying, Mom, are you okay? I didn't mean to hurt you. They come out screaming, I'm hungry. Take care of me. We are takers. We are selfish people. And the only way that we can learn giving is by getting closer to the heart of God. 
And the more we get closer to God, the more we encounter God, the more we become generous, the more we learn about that. So we compared and talked about how God and Jesus are one through the Trinity. And if God is a generous giver, then that means Jesus is a generous giver. And we're going to see that God gave his son to the earth. And as Jesus is here on the earth, we see these aspects of him, of him being generous. And we want to look at some scriptures that Paul has this revelation of the generosity of Jesus. And last week, we started, we did the first one. I forget what I put up there first. Yeah, there we go. So last week, in regards to the generosity of Jesus, the first thing we talked about is that he gave himself. And we're going to see this theme over the next couple of weeks of this revelation that Paul has as he's writing to different churches, Galatians and Ephesians and Titus and Timothy, where Paul constantly says that he gave himself for a specific purpose, for a specific reason. And the most beautiful thing in the generosity of Jesus is that he gave himself. Yes, God gave Jesus to save us, but Jesus then in turn said, I'll go. I'll be the one. I will be the sacrifice that will take care of all the evil. I will be the last Adam that takes care of all the generations from the first Adam. He gave himself. The second thing we see and what we're going to start talking about today is he gave himself for our sins. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. Paul writes, Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Paul writes to the church of Galatia, has this revelation that Jesus, the generosity of Jesus, Jesus gave himself, one of the things we're seeing right now, he gave himself specifically for our sins. Make it personal today, for your sins. Look at it from the grand scheme of everything. He gave himself for all the sins of everyone. Jesus, a Jewish man, gave himself for the sins of the people that are committing the sins against him and his people right now. He gave himself for our sins and for the sins of the world. What a beautiful, gracious, loving God. I'm just going to give myself to the people that I know love me or that are part of my lineage or the people that will accept me. No, no. He gave himself to give us the possibility and the potential to be free from our sins. And anyone at any time can believe. He gave ourselves. He gave himself for our sins. That he might, that scripture kind of sounds misleading because if the way that we read it and the way we understand, if we say might, it's kind of like a shrugging maybe, I hope so. If I say, hey, are you going to come to women's Bible study this Thursday? And you say, I might be there. To me, that's a 50-50 shot, right? I mean, the way that we use English and that word might is like, I might be there. I might see you there. It's not a guarantee. So when we read this scripture in our English understanding, it makes it sound like that he might deliver us from this present evil age. I'm hoping, 
But in the original text, that phrase, he might deliver, just means to rescue or to deliver. To rescue or deliver. So that word might, to us, is like fingers crossed, I hope you can save me. But whenever Paul was writing it, the intent that he was writing was to say that he is going to rescue you and deliver you. No ifs, ands, or buts, he will do it from this present evil age. Praise God for that. To be encouraged, because we are in this present age, and this age is evil. And that he's already promised that he would rescue us, he would deliver us. He gave himself for our sins. And this Jewish man decided to give himself to take care of the sins of the world. And there's so much geopolitical and history and biblical when it comes to all these different factions that are fighting Israel. But it kind of boils down to, at a high level, from what we see in the Bible, is that Abraham had a promise from God that he was going to have a son, and all the generations were going to come from that son. Remember that in, in Genesis? And Abraham couldn't wait, and his wife, who was getting older and couldn't get pregnant, came up with the decision, why don't you just have relations with the servant and have a baby. Maybe you can have that child that God has promised you through another woman. And Abraham doesn't try and fight that, now does he? He says, okay, well, that's what you're suggesting. I guess we'll try it. And another child was born. And God was true to his word. And that child has become the father of all of these people that are attacking Israel. And it's amazing that one decision can not only affect you, but can affect generations after you. Now for the young people that are here, I want to remind you the importance of making a good decision. Adam made one decision to take a bite of fruit that he wasn't supposed to. And not only did it affect Adam and his wife and his children, it affected, it's still affecting you and me. Abraham makes one decision one night in a tent, hanging out with his wife's servant, one bad decision is still being affected today. Generations and generations and generations. Noah made a good decision. He decided to have favor with God and trust God. And God says, I'll save you, I'll save your children. And through his children, Jesus came. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in all truth, to help us in our decision making. Because one decision, one bad decision can affect you. One good decision can affect you and can affect your generations. So be faithful in your generations, in your decision making. Who gave himself? I have, I believe it's like three scriptures, maybe just one. Isaiah, did I put them all together? Isaiah chapter, okay. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. This is a prophet back in the Old Testament. He's not, he's on the other side of the cross. Jesus hasn't come yet. Jesus hasn't died. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. He gave himself for our sins. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He gave himself for our sins. The next is two scriptures that I have. Of, you can flip, flippy floppy it. I'll read 
Psalms chapter 103, verse 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Praise God. And then in Micah chapter 7, verse 19, if you've been in church, you've heard these three scriptures before. He will again have compassion on us. When? When's he going to do that? On the other side of the cross. We're on the other side of the cross. So this scripture is now true right now in this moment. He's going to have compassion. So it means he has compassion on us. And he will subdue our iniquities. He will cast all of our sins. Just a few of your sins. Just the, the soft ones. The really bad ones. No, he'll cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. He gave himself for our sin. Although your sins are bright red. I had a, a, a shirt, Maddie will wash our clothes, and, and we have a, a line on the back part of our property. And Maddie put uh, our shirts out there, um, and I had a white shirt on there, and a bird flew by and pooped all over my clothes. Specifically just mine. They, they like went around, and they made sure that they ate some berries somewhere before, and, and Maddie had to fight and work uh, to, to get this stain out of this white shirt that I, I can still see. I'm not going to tell her that. She worked so hard on it. So I'll wear it. I'll wear it next time maybe. And, uh, and that he's saying that he's going to take blood-soaked wool and make it white as snow. He said that as far as the east is from the west to where your sins and you will never meet again. You'll never touch again. That's how powerful him simply giving himself for our sins are. And he says that he'll take our sins and he'll cast them not into the sea, but the depths of the sea. At the bottom of the Mariana Trench, the deepest part of the ocean, it is believed that the pressure is over 15,000 pounds per square inch at the bottom of of the Mariana Trench, at the very depths of the sea. There's one website that I saw, and I wrote it down. It says one, it says it's equivalent, the 15,000 pounds per square, it's equivalent of an average-sized woman holding up 48 jumbo jets. One jumbo jet is over 400,000 pounds. I don't understand why they said an average-sized woman. Couldn't it just been any human any human holding 48 jumbo jets? Can a man hold 46 jumbo jets? Like it's, it, it, I just, I enjoyed this, this website and the way that they were presenting it. So what if a woman works out really, really hard? Can she go 47 jumbo jets? I just, I just didn't understand that. But one way, it says equivalent to the pressure that is pushed upon. And that amount of pressure, it crushes, destroys, and disintegrates whatever shouldn't be there. Remember, remember the, uh, the, the little submarine that was trying to go see the Titanic a couple months ago? And it only went, what, 2,000 miles down or something? It didn't go down too far. It didn't make it down that far. And it just crushed. It took that submarine and crushed anything and everything that was in there and then exploded. Now, I don't want to be too graphic in regards to that thought, but that's what happens to your sins. When he throws the sins into the depths of the sea, the pressure of that disintegrates the sin. That's how powerful him giving himself to you, the generosity of Jesus, how much he wants to help you overcome sin.
I wrote this, Jesus gave himself for you so that you can go from dirty to clean. Although your sins are, are crimson, they'll be white as snow. He gave himself so that you and your sins would never meet again. As far as the east is from the west, you'll never touch them again. And he gave himself for your sins so that they could be destroyed by the pressure of the sea. He gave himself for your sins. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Paul is now writing to a different church completely, the church of Ephesus. And he writes, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us. That right there is a whole other sermon. But to encourage each and every one of you, walk in love. I know those people hurt you. I know they said those things. I know that there's anger for different situations and things going on in your life. But he encourages us to walk in love. And then he tells us how we should walk in love. As Christ also has loved you. And we've done some pretty dumb things in our lives, and Christ still loves us. Walk in love as Christ has also loved. And look, here's the phrase, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. This is kind of the longest one we can put up. Number three, the generosity of Jesus. He gave himself so that we could be an offering and a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Isn't that beautiful? The generosity of Jesus. He gave himself. You remember in the scriptures it says that we as Gentiles were foreigners. We were enemies. We were strangers. Remember when Jesus shows up and he talks to the, the, the Samaritan woman. And she says, will you come heal my child? And he says, but I'm not but sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then he calls her and her child a dog. Jesus wasn't being mean. He was just stating the facts. He was sent to Israel. It was not the time for the Gentiles to be allowed in yet. But aren't you glad in Acts chapter 10, praise God, Cornelius asked God for, a, for, for an angel to come visit him, for somebody to come visit him. And God sent Peter and said, I'll give you words that will get you saved. And that's what welcomed us into the kingdom. He gave himself so that we could be an offering. Not an enemy, but an offering. Not a foreigner, but a sweet-smelling aroma to God. There's a progression in the Bible in regards to sweet-smelling aroma. In Exodus chapter 29, verse 18, Moses is talking to the children of Israel after that he has met with God about these animal sacrifices. And he says, and you shall burn the whole ram on the altar, and this animal sacrifice, this burnt offering to the Lord, it is a sweet aroma, and look, an offering made by fire to the Lord. So God's telling the Jewish people, I want you, he has a plan for this sacrifice to come. He's got to work his plan to get the ultimate sacrifice there, but for the time being, I want you to make a sacrifice of an animal, and to me, that animal is going to represent what is going to come, what is going to happen when Jesus becomes the sacrifice. And so they're sacrificing day in and day out and day in and day out. And eventually, God starts talking to the prophet Isaiah, and look in the next verse, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11. This is what the Lord says. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord. 
I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. God is getting tired of smelling this sweet-smelling aroma, this sacrifice, because he's getting closer and closer to the ultimate sacrifice. He's getting closer and closer to it, and he's getting tired of it. Because he knows, and it says in Hebrews, that animal sacrifice will never take away sins, right? So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 14, the writer of Hebrews does this. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. Look at this. Which can never take away sins. That's why he's tired of it. He's tired of it. He wants to send the ultimate sacrifice that will take away all the sins. He gave himself for our sins. But this man, oh, praise God. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered how many sacrifices? A whole bunch of them over and over and over again. No, Jesus offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Look at this. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Praise God for that scripture right there. By one offering. This sweet-smelling aroma that God sets up in Exodus, he says, you burn these sacrifices. And year after year, after decade, after decade, after century, he gets to the prophet Isaiah, and he says, I'm tired of smelling these things because I know that there is one beautiful smell that's coming that's going to take care of this forever. And Jesus shows up, this one man, who perfected and offered an offering, and that offering forever sanctified anyone who believes on that name. He gave himself as an offering so that we could be an offering. Do you know, maybe you do, maybe you've heard, I don't know if I've said this here before, do you know that going to heaven is not your reward? It is not your reward to go to heaven. Going to heaven is Jesus's reward. It says in the scriptures that Jesus sowed himself into the earth. He is a seed. And seed time and harvest as whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And so the harvest that Jesus receives for sowing himself into the ground, dying in the ground, and offering himself as an offering, what he receives, his harvest, is you and me. Which is why it's so important to evangelize. Because we need to bring as many rewards into heaven for Jesus as we can bring. Yes, it is a perk and a benefit for us to go to heaven. Not, not denying or denying that. But what the beauty is, is us going to heaven is God's reward to Jesus. He said, you made the sacrifice, you sowed the seed, you gave up an offering, and whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And it says, as Jesus is, so are we. So he says, you're going to reap a bunch of many Jesuses coming to live with you in heaven. Praise God. Why it's so important that we tell people about Jesus and bring as many of the reward and harvest of his that we can. I want to go to heaven, and I want to bring him as many people as I can. Jesus, I brought my children. 
Jesus, I brought my wife. Jesus, I brought these friends and family. This is your reward for what you did for me and what you did for them. It's his reward. So we need to see it like that. Now look in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And look at this. And through us, this is where I pray this every Sunday, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. This scripture right here is why I always tell you that you're an atmosphere changer. When you walk into a room because of the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus inside you, the room changes. When there is stress, when there is angst, when there is worry, when there's all these things, when I walk into the room, peace is diffused. The love of God, the grace of God is diffused. So tomorrow, when you're walking into work, and you're like, I, I don't want to see my boss. I don't want to hear what they have to say. I don't want to go to that meeting. I know it's going to be bad. I know they're going to cuss me out. I know they're going to chew me out. I know there's some tons of emails that are going on. You're thinking now, I don't want to go home, and I don't want to deal with the stress of the house or whatever. You are an atmosphere changer. When I walk into my house, peace of God is diffused. When I walk into that office, the peace and the presence of God is diffused. When I sit in my office, when I sit at my desk, when I walk into that meeting room, the peace, the presence, the love, the grace and mercy of God is diffused because it says, through Jesus, we walk in triumph. We aren't victims, we're victors. Look at verse 15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. You right now smell just like Jesus. We are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. I had a doctor's appointment this week. Well, last week is when I had the conversation. I had to go back. And I, I try to not usually tell people that I'm a pastor or I'm in ministry. Because it just, it can go two ways. It, it can go, uh, it can turn into a counseling session, uh, or it can turn into, let me tell you why I hate the church and why I hate God. Um, and so I, I was at this doctor appointment, I was talking to this person, and, and, and it came to the crux, it came to the point where I had to say, I'm a pastor, we've been pastoring here for five years and all that. I said, oh, yeah, I said, I, I'm a pastor here uh, close by. Um, I said, I've been pastoring, been in ministry for over a decade, pastoring for five years. And the guy looked at me, and he says, that makes sense. He said, because there's a peace on you when you walked in. He says, there's a peaceful aurora around you whenever you walked in. I thought, oh, okay, cool. I didn't, I didn't know. But when I walked in there, I diffused the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere I go. It's just in me, and it's going through my pores, and it says here, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ. Jesus gave himself so that we could be a sweet smell to God, a sweet aroma, an offering to God. It even says, I don't have the scripture there. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Psalms 141, 141 verse 2, let my prayers be set before you as incense in Revelations chapter 5 and Revelations chapter 8. It talks about how our prayers are incense to God. Imagine 
I can get caught up in myself and think, well, I'm a loser, I'm a sinner, I did this, I talked, I, I talked negative to my wife, I did this to my kids, I, 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 I shouldn't have uh, done this or done that, or I've prayed some crazy prayers, I, I don't know how to pray, or I've said some things, but it says, in Jesus, I smell just like him to God. And when I offer my prayers, no matter how jumbled, no matter how Louisiana terrible English I say up to him, it says that it's an incense, it's a sweet smell to God. It's the generosity of Jesus that he gave himself so that we could smell like him to God. Amen? Can we handle a couple more and then we'll shut it down? 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 6. Paul's now writing to his son in the faith, writing to Timothy. And it's like he just, he's got this phrase stuck. He can't, he can't, every time he's writing, it seems to just come out in his letters to the church. Who gave himself a ransom for a few, for the Jewish people? No, he gave himself for all to be testified in due time. So the fourth thing we have, he gave himself to purchase us. He gave himself to purchase us. That word ransom in the original text means what is given in exchange for another as the price of his redemption. What is given in exchange for another at the price of his redemption. The actual definition, if you just look in the dictionary, it says a sum of money or another payment demanded for the release of a prisoner. Another type of payment demanded for the release, Jesus, the generosity of Jesus. He gave himself to purchase us, to buy us, to buy us back from the devil. And how did he pay? By shedding his blood. By shedding his blood. For those that have kids, or those who have animals that act like they're kids, how much money would you pay to get your children back? Now, depending on how many kids, you might say, well, I might pay a little bit more or a little bit less. <laughs> how much money would you pay to get your kids back? If one of my kids was gone, I can't imagine what's going on in Israel right now as they've kidnapped these kids, taken them from their families, and then posting pictures throughout social media. Imagine your kid gets kidnapped from you. And you open up Instagram, and the worst of worst is holding your child. How much money would you, get, would you give to get back? I would be calling each and every one of you. Can you please give me some money? I've got I've to get my children back. I've got to get them back. Please, would you, would you help me? Anything you give would, would be perfect. How much more? How much more? Does God, he gives his son. Think about that. He doesn't give, he doesn't say, angels, chop up all the gold from the streets and bring it to the devil so we can buy back humanity, get all the cows on, on the thousands of hills and we'll offer them up to the devil so we can get humanity back. What he gives is his one and only son as a ransom, as a purchase, as a price for you. And for me, the generosity of Jesus to say, I'll go, use me as payment, God. 
use my blood as payment for these people, for these humans. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 7, he says the same thing. He says it one after another. For you were bought at a price. So therefore, because you were bought at a price, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 7 says, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves to men. Jesus gave himself to make us his own. So now, because I believe in Jesus, I belong to Jesus. Let's say that together. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. He paid for me. The generosity of Jesus is that he didn't give a couple bucks. He didn't send over a couple of lambs. He didn't send over a couple of angels. He gave himself as payment for you and for me. So therefore, when I believe in him, I belong to Jesus. I wrote this down. Encourage you to write it down, but you're not going to like it. Which means he has the authority to tell you what to do. Ew, we don't like that side of Jesus. I want the loving Jesus. I want the one that hugs me and holds me and tells me everything okay. But I belong to Jesus. He bought you with his blood. So therefore, he has the authority and the right to tell you, stop sinning. Stop doing that. It's not, it's not how we do it. It's not what the Bible says, it's not what God says, or start doing this, or believe this. He has the right and the authority, because you believed in him, he bought you. I wrote this, I do not belong to the world, I belong to Jesus. I don't belong to the world anymore. I wrote this, I do not belong to my sin, my desires, or myself. I belong to Jesus. I don't belong to sin anymore. I don't belong to my desires, no matter how good, no matter how ugly. I don't belong to my desires anymore. I don't even belong to myself. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He bought you. He purchased you. Therefore, he has the authority and the right to tell you. Sometimes the father hugs. Sometimes the father says, no, no. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. I'm feeding you today. I hope you as sheep are eating it up, but I'm feeding you some more today. This is why we're called press, these scriptures right here, Philippians 3, 12 and 13. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfect, but I press on that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ. Look at this, of Jesus Christ who has also laid a hold of me. Oh, that's beautiful. He's laid a hold of me. Of me, little old Cajun me, born deep in the heart of Louisiana, he laid a hold of me. So if he's laid a hold of me, man, I just want to grab a hold of him. The generosity of Jesus. He gave himself as a ransom. He gave himself to purchase us. You don't want to be a part of the family of this world. This world's crazy. Right? I mean, there's just, this world's crazy. There's just so much stuff. So I want to be a part of the family of God. John chapter 1, verse 12. John writes, But as many as received him, so there's a caveat here, but as many as received him, to them, who's them? The ones that received him, the one that believed in him, 
the one that confessed with their mouth, believed in their heart, believed in the gospel. Jesus Christ died for my sins on the cross. He was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. Believing that gospel message, receiving him, then he gave the right to become children of God. Not slaves of God, not on the fringe, not the black sheep of God, but to be children of God to those who believe in his name. He purchased you. And because he purchased you, he also gave you the right to be a part of his family. God, that's so beautiful. He could have, he could have put us Gentiles in, in such a different area. He could have put a special section of heaven on the outside and said, yeah, you can see my throne from way over here. But he welcomed us in as family. Because he purchased us, it then gave him the right to call us whatever he wanted us to be called. And what he decided to call you and me is sons and daughters. Isn't that beautiful? Can you handle one more, one more, and we'll, we'll stop. Luke chapter 22, verse 19. The generosity of Jesus. This is Jesus himself talking. We can't, we can't talk about the generosity of Jesus without talking about communion. And Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The last one we'll talk about, the generosity of Jesus, number five. He gave himself that we might experience holy communion. Holy communion. Holy communion. That Jesus brought in his disciples. It says in, in Luke, I believe, in the story of communion, it says that Jesus had been excited for that moment. He was wanting to have the Passover meal, knowing he was about to die, knowing he was about to suffer, knowing he was about to be separated from God, knowing all of these things. What he was most excited for was to have this special moment with those closest to him, to have communion. And now we as Gentiles have the opportunity because he gave himself and because Jesus is so generous that we might experience holy communion with him anytime any place, I can just stop and have a conversation and commune with my Father. Commune with Him. Jesus gave Himself, and He's still giving Himself. Now, I'm not saying that He has to die over and over and over again. He gave Himself, but He's still offering Himself to you to learn and know Him more. Come on. I know you got saved 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, some of you 40, 50 years ago, but I still want to commune with you. I still want you to come deeper. I still want you to know and have that intimate moment and eat of my body and drink of my blood and receive what my body has to offer and receive what my blood has to offer. Come on and commune with me. I've opened that. I'm the one, Jesus says, I'm the one that gave you that opportunity to commune. And so many people, especially inside of the church, do take that for granted. We don't spend time with God during the week. We show up here on Sunday for a couple of hours. God speak, God speak, God speak, God speak, God speak. Ah, he didn't really speak. I got a scripture. Okay, I'll see you next Sunday. 
Jesus gave himself so that we could have open communion with him anytime, any place. And Jesus is giving and still giving of himself. He's still moving and he's still working today. How many know and believe that Jesus' body is still healing today? 1 Peter 2.24 says, By his stripes we are already healed. The full verse says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, there's too many scriptures there, focus, which is given, nope, not that one, sorry, that we might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. He's still giving healing. His body is still blessing us today. And the last scripture I have, Jesus' blood is still working today. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Remember we talked about the sweet-smelling aroma. It, it would never, it could never take care of sin. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. The generosity of Jesus, the giving heart of Jesus. He then entered the most holy place once for all, and having obtained eternal redemption to then pass out, to all of us. He went into heaven. It says in the scriptures, he went into heaven and he let his blood go in heaven. It says that Jesus still has the body of a man in heaven and he still bears the marks of what happened to him on the cross. I believe when we get to heaven, there's still going to be holes in his hands and his feet. There's still going to be scars on his brow from that crown of thorns. There's still going to be marks on his back. That we're still going to see the evidence of him obtaining eternal redemption. That there's still utensils and things in heaven that are still covered and stained in the blood of Jesus. And that God sees it. And he sees his son. And he remembers the price. And he remembers the generosity of his son that he gave for each and every one of us. Jesus, he gave himself. He gave himself for our sins. He gave himself so that we would be an offering, a sweet-smelling aroma to God. He gave himself to purchase us. He gave himself that we might experience holy communion. And next week, we'll, we'll talk about three or four more as well. Amen? Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Don't ever take for granted the generosity of Jesus. And the more we get to experience the generosity of Jesus, the more we in turn become generous ourselves. He gave himself in so many ways to help you and to help me. We talk about how God is an abundant God over and over again. And number one, if God would have just sent his son and Jesus gave himself, that would have been good enough. If we would have just stopped at the first thing, Jesus gave himself for our sins, that would have been good enough, God. But God is so gracious and Jesus is so generous that we've got at least eight or nine different things that we're going to talk about this week and next week about the abundance of God and how generous he is. He just didn't barely give a little bit. He gave everything that he had to help you in your walk, which should encourage you and compel you to spend more Holy Communion with Him. As you drive home today from church, take some time in your car and just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the generosity that you showed us. Just one of these things would have been good enough. Thank you for 
giving yourself for our sins. Thank you for giving yourself to purchase me. Thank you for giving yourself so I no longer smell like a stinky sinner, but I smell just like you, and it's a sweet smell to you. Thank you, Jesus, that I can have holy communion with you right here, right now, in this moment. Your presence can be right here, an ever-present help in time of need. And Father, I thank you today. I thank you for the generosity of your heart, the generosity that you passed down into your son, and how generous Jesus was. Father, I thank you that we never take for granted what you did for us. Jesus, that we never take for granted the price that you paid to save us, to pull us out of darkness, to pull us out of hell, and put us in your glorious light and put us into your kingdom. You gave us the right to be children of God. Father, I thank you that before we, hopefully, before we ever take our last breath, that we say thank you, Jesus, that we put our trust in you, that we put our trust in the gospel message that will forever change our lives. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for the word that has been spoken and revealed into their lives, that they use it this week, that they meditate on it this week, that they chew on it this week, that it nourishes them, Father, that it's their daily bread that they can use in their lives. Father, I just pray scripture over them right now, that they have the mind of Christ. Their body is the temple of the Most High God. By Jesus' stripes, they are already healed. Father, I thank you they're the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. Everything they put their hands to prospers. Father, the favor of God surrounds them like a shield. They have favor with God and they have favor with man. Father, I thank you for Psalm 91 protection over their lives. Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against them, including their own, we condemn it now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you. That each and every person here is the salt and light of the earth. We are a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. Father, I believe we are atmosphere changers. Everywhere we go, we diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ in every room. We are room atmosphere changers. And use us this week to shine the light and dispel darkness. To diffuse the fragrance of Jesus in every situation and dispel the smell of evil. And Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored. Father, I thank you that you bless them, you protect them, you cause them to prosper in everything they do, and you bring them back safely with their coming to women's Bible study or their coming back next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Y'all have a great week. We'll see y'all soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.